This is an audio version of Chinchilla's Wild Implications by Nostalgia Braced, published on the 31st of July, 2022. The article opens with a link to a Colab notebook for this post. This is included as one of the core readings for the AGI Safety Fundamentals course. This post is about language model scaling laws, specifically the laws derived in the DeepMind paper that introduced Chinchilla. Audio note, this post has many footnotes that add more details and explanations as well as calculations. Those will be omitted from this recording for brevity, but you can check them out in the original post. The paper came out a few months ago and has been discussed a lot, but some of its implications deserve more explicit notice in my opinion. In particular, data, not size, is the current active constraint on language modelling performance. Current returns to additional data are immense, and current returns to additional model size are minuscule. Indeed, most recent landmark models are wastefully big. If we can leverage enough data, there is no reason to train around 500 billion parameter models, much less 1 trillion or larger models. If we have to train models at these large sizes, it will mean we've encountered a barrier to exploitation of data scaling, which would be a great loss relative to what would otherwise be possible. The literature is extremely unclear on how much text data is actually available for training. We may be running out, in quotes, of general domain data, but the literature is too vague to know one way or the other. The entire available quantity of data in highly specialised domains like code is woefully tiny, compared to the gains that would be possible if much more such data were available. Some things to note at the outset. This post assumes you have some familiarity with LM scaling laws. As in the paper, I'll assume here that models never see repeated data in training. This simplifies things. We don't need to draw a distinction between data size and step count, or between train loss and test loss. I focus on the parametric scaling law from the paper's Approach 3, because it provides useful intuition. Keep in mind, though, that Approach 3 yielded somewhat different results from Approaches 1 and 2, which agreed with one another and were used to determine Chinchilla's model and data size. So you should take the exact numbers below with a grain of salt. They may be off by a few orders of magnitude, but not many orders of magnitude. Section 1. The Scaling Law The paper fits a scaling law for LM loss L as a function of model size N and data size D. Its functional form is very simple, and easier to reason about than the L of N and D law from earlier Kaplan et al. papers. It is a sum of three terms. So here we have L of N and D, or the scaling law for LM loss, as a function of model size and data size, and it's equal to three terms added together. The first term is A over N to the power of alpha. Second term, B over D to the power of beta. And the third term is just E. Those three terms are added together. The first term only depends on the model size. The second term only depends on the data size, and the third term is a constant. You can think about this as follows. An infinitely big model trained on infinite data, in quotes, would achieve loss E. To get the loss for a real model, you add on two corrections, in quotes. One for the fact that the model only has N parameters, not infinitely many. And one for the fact that the model only sees D training examples, not infinitely many. So here's the same formula. It just shows that the third term, E, is irreducible, the second term reflects finite data, and the first term reflects a finite model. Here's the same thing with the constraints fitted to DeepMind's experiments on the massive text data set. So here the author has plugged numbers into this equation. Audio note, as always, you can check these equations out in the original post if it's easier to visualise them that way, but I will read out the numbers here. 
So L is a function of n and d equals 406.4 divided by n to the power of 0.34 plus 410.7 divided by d to the power of 0.28 plus 1.69. Heading. Plugging in real models. Gopher is a model with 280 billion parameters trained on 300 billion tokens of data. What happens if we plug in those numbers? And here's an equation with those numbers plugged in. It evaluates to 1.993. Relevant to the discussion, we notice that the finite model term evaluates to 0.052. The text goes on. What jumps out here is that the finite model term is tiny. In terms of the impact on LM loss, Gopher's parameter count might as well be infinity. There's a little more to gain on that front, but not much. Scale the model up to 500 billion parameters, or a trillion parameters, or 100 trillion parameters, or 3 to the power of 3 to the power of 3 to the power of 3 parameters, and the most this can ever do for you is a 0.052 reduction in loss. Meanwhile, the finite data term is not tiny. Audio note, it was 0.251. Gopher's training data size is very much not infinity, and we can go a long way by making it bigger. Chinchilla is a model with the same training compute cost as Gopher, allocated more evenly between the two terms in the equation. It's 70 billion parameters, trained on 1.4 trillion tokens of data. Let's plug that in. Here again, it's an evaluation. It comes to 1.936. The finite model term evaluates as 0.083, and the finite data, 0.163. The author writes, much better. Without using any more compute, we've improved the loss by 0.057. That's bigger than Gopher's entire finite model term. The paper demonstrates that Chinchilla roundly defeats Gopher on downstream tasks, as we'd expect. Even that understates the accomplishment, though. At least in terms of loss, Chinchilla doesn't just beat Gopher. It beats any model trained on Gopher's data, no matter how big. To put this in context, until this paper, it was conventional to train all large LMs on roughly 300 billion tokens of data. GPT-3 did it and everyone else followed. Insofar as we trust our equation, this entire line of research, which includes GPT-3, Lambda, Gopher, Jurassic, and MTNLG, could never have beaten Chinchilla, no matter how big the models got. People put immense effort into training models that big, and were working on even bigger ones, and yet none of this in principle could ever get as far as Chinchilla did. Here's where the various models lie on a contour plot of LM loss, per the equation, with n on the x-axis and d on the y-axis. So here's a graph, as noted, parameters in billions are on the x-axis, and data size is on the y-axis in billions of tokens, and then has a contoured heat map of LM loss across the area of this graph, So eyeballing this heat map, what's striking visually about the contours of this graph is that they appear kind of hyperbolic, except that they're crushed towards the y-axis. What that means is they begin very high on the y-axis for relatively low x-axis values, and then drop very quickly, and then level out and slowly tail off. And visualizing the color contours, this effectively means you can get quite far into the desirable low-loss area by increasing data size for a certain number of parameters, and it's relatively slower to reach that same contour by increasing the number of parameters for a fixed data size. And we see Chinchilla as a huge outlier here, outperforming all the other models, Lambda, GPT-3, Gopher, and MT-NLG. It's an outlier in terms of its very large training set size, 1,400 billion tokens, even though it uses fewer parameters than any of the other models on this graph. The other outlier on the graph is Palm, which uses a large number of parameters relative to the other models and also more data relative to the other models. The author writes, Only Palm is relatively close to Chinchilla here, 
Indeed, Palm does slightly better. Palm is a huge model. It's the largest one considered here, though MTNLG is a close second. Everyone writing about Palm mentions that it has 540 billion parameters, and the Palm paper does a lot of experiments on the differences between the 540 billion Palm and smaller variants of it. According to this scaling law, though, Palm's parameter count is a mere footnote relative to Palm's training data size. Palm isn't competitive with Chinchilla because it's big. MTNLG is almost the same size, and yet it's trapped in the pinkish-purple zone on the bottom left, with Gopher and the rest. No, Palm is competitive with Chinchilla only because it was trained on more tokens, 780 billion, than the other non-Chinchilla models. For example, this change in data size constitutes 85% of the loss improvement from Gopher to Palm. Here's the precise breakdown for Palm. So once again, this is the equation with numbers plugged into it. It evaluates to 1.924, the finite model term evaluates to 0.042, and the finite data term 0.192. The author writes, Palm's gains come with great cost though. It used way more training compute than any previous model and its size means it also takes a lot of inference compute to run. Here's a visualisation of loss versus training compute, with loss on the y-axis and in colour as well. So here is the described graph, with flops on the x-axis and loss on the y-axis. At the extremes we have lambda, with very low compute and very high loss, and palm at the other extreme, with very high compute and very low loss. There are a few points here, so it's hard to eyeball a line, but GPT-3, Gopher, and MTNLG seem to fit some kind of hyperbola here, or are slightly below the straight line between Lambda and Palm at the two extremes. But then Chinchilla is not even remotely close to that line, it's very close to the origin. It appears to have low loss and low compute. The author goes on, Man, we spent all that compute on Palm, and all we got was the slightest edge over Chinchilla. Could we have done better? In the equation just above, Palm's terms look pretty unbalanced. Given that compute... We probably should have used more data and trained a smaller model. The paper tells us how to pick optimal values for parameters and data, given a compute budget. Indeed, that's its main focus. If we use its recommendations for Palm's compute, we get the point Palm underscore opt on this plot. So here's the same graph, except it has that added point for the optimal version of Palm, and we see that it achieves much lower loss for an equivalent amount of compute. It's in line with and very far below the original palm point on the graph. The author writes, ah, now we're talking. Palm opt sure looks good, but how would we train it concretely? Let's go back to the N versus D contour plot world. So here's that contour plot again. That was the one with parameters on the x-axis and data size on the y-axis with those hyperbola-shaped contours that are sort of crushed towards the y-axis. And what we notice here is that the y-axis has been massively extended and palm opt is right up at the top. It's roughly in line with chinchilla in terms of parameter count, but it's using nearly 7,000 billion tokens to train it. The author writes, I've changed the axis limits here to accommodate the massive data set you'd need to spend palm's compute optimally. How much data would that require? Around 6.7 trillion tokens, or approximately 4.8 times as much as chinchilla used. Meanwhile, the resulting model would not be nearly as big as palm. The optimal compute law actually puts it at 63 billion parameters. Okay, so we just need to get 6.7 trillion tokens and... Wait, how exactly are we going to get 6.7 trillion tokens? How much text data is there exactly? Section 2. Are we running out of data? It is frustratingly hard to find an answer to this question. 
The main moral I want to get across in this post is that the large LM community has not taken data scaling seriously enough. LM papers are meticulous about N, doing all kinds of scaling analyses on models of various sizes, etc. There has been tons of smart discussion about the hardware and software demands of training high-N models. The question, what would it take to get to 1 trillion parameters, or 10 trillion, is on everyone's radar. Yet, meanwhile, everyone trained their big models on 300 billion tokens for no particular reason, until this paper showed how hilariously wasteful this is. Papers rarely do scaling analyses that vary data size, as if the concepts of LM scaling and adding more parameters have effectively merged in people's minds. Papers basically never talk about what it would take to scale their data sets up by 10 times or 50 times. And the data collection sections of LM papers tend to be vague and slapdash, often failing to answer basic questions like, where did you scrape these web pages from? Or how many more could you scrape if you wanted to? As a particularly egregious example, here's what the Lambda paper says about the composition of their training data. Quote, The pre-training data, called Infiniset, is a combination of dialogue data from public dialogue data and other public web documents. It consists of 2.97 billion documents and 1.12 billion dialogues, with 13.39 billion utterances. The composition of the data is as followed. 50% dialogues data from public forums, 12.5% C4 data, 12.5% code documents from sites related to programming like Q&A sites, tutorials, etc., 12.5% Wikipedia, English, 6.25% English web documents, and 6.25% non-English web documents. The total number of words in the dataset is 1.56 trillion. End quote. Dialogues data from public forums? Which forums? Did you use all the forum data you could find? Or only 0.01% of it, or something in between? And why measure words instead of tokens? Um, unless they meant tokens? If people were as casual about scaling N as this quotation is about scaling D, the methods section of large LM papers would all be a few sentences long. Instead, they tend to look like this, excerpted from around three pages of similar material. Here's a screen capture from the Palm paper. It has a complicated infographic, and the text reads, quote, We scale training beyond a single TPU v4 pod using the Pathways system. Palm 540 billion utilizes the client-server architecture of Pathways to achieve two-way data parallelism at the pod level. Here, a single Python client dispatches half of the training batch to each pod. Each pod executes the forward and backward computation, to compute gradients in parallel using standard within-pod data and model parallelism. The pods then transfer the gradients. Audio note, this text goes on for quite some time. The author continues. Anyway, how much more data could we get? This question is complicated by the fact that not all data is equally good. A messy Google spreadsheet linked here contains the calculations behind some of what I say below. Heading, web scrapes. If you just want a lot of text, the easiest way to get it is from web scrapes like Common Crawl. These are infamously full of garbage, and if you want to train a good LM, you probably want to aggressively filter them for quality. And the papers don't tell us how much total web data they have, only how much filtered data. Subheading, Massive Web. The training data set used for Gopher and Chinchilla is called Massive Text, and the web scrape portion of it is called Massive Web. This data originates in a mysterious, unspecified web scrape, which is funneled through a series of filters, including quality heuristics and an attempt to only keep English text. Massive Web is 506 billion tokens. Could it be made bigger by scaling up the original web scrape? That depends on how complete the original web scrape was, but we know nothing about it. Subheading, the Glam slash Palm web corpus. 
Palm used a different web scrape corpus. It was first used in a paper linked here about glam in quotes, which again did not say anything about the original scraping process, only describing the quality filtering they did, and not in much detail. The glam paper says its featured web corpus is 143 billion tokens. That's a lot smaller than Massive Web. Is that because of the filtering? Because the original scrape was smaller? Dunno. To further complicate matters, the Palm authors used a variant of the GLAM dataset, which made multilingual versions of, some of, the English-only components. How many tokens did this add? They don't say. We are told that 27%, or 211 billion, of Palm's training tokens came from this web corpus, and we are separately told that they tried to avoid repeating data. So the Palm version of the GLAM web corpus is probably at least 211 billion tokens, versus the original 143 billion though I'm not very confident of that. Still, that's much smaller than Massive Web. Is this because they had a higher quality bar? Which would be bad news for further data scaling? They do attribute some of Palm's success to quality filtering, citing the ablation on this in the GLAM paper. It's hard to tell, but there is this ominous comment in the section where they talk about Palm versus Chinchilla. Quote, Although there is a large amount of very high-quality textual data available on the web, there is not an infinite amount. For the corpus mixing proportions chosen for Palm, data begins to repeat in some of our subcorpora after 780 billion tokens, which is why we chose that as the endpoint of training. It is unclear how the value in quotes of repeated data compares to unseen data for large-scale language model training. End quote. The subcorpora that start to repeat are probably the web and dialogue ones. Read literally, this passage seems to suggest that even the vast web data resources available to Google research are starting to strain against the data demands of large LMs. Is that plausible? I don't know. Heading. Domain-specific corpora. We can speak with more confidence about text in specialised domains that's less common on the open web, since there's less of it out there, and people are more explicit about where they're getting it. Subheading. Code. If you want code, it's on GitHub. There's some in other places too, but if you've exhausted GitHub, you probably aren't going to find orders of magnitude of additional code data. I think... We've more or less exhausted GitHub. It's been scraped a few times with different kinds of filtering, which yielded broadly similar data sizes. The Piles scrape had 631 gigabytes of text and around 299 billion tokens. The Massive Text scrape had 3.1 terabytes of text and 506 billion tokens. The Palm scrape had only 196 gigabytes of text, and we aren't told how many tokens. And the Codex Papers scrape was Python only and had 159 gigabytes of text. Note that the text-to-token ratios vary due to differences in how whitespace was tokenized. All of these scrapes contained a large fraction of the total code available on GitHub, in the Codex Papers case, just the Python code. Generously, there might be around 1 trillion tokens of code out there, but not vastly more than that. Subheading, Archive, or ARXIV. If you want to train a model on advanced academic research in physics or mathematics, you go to Archive. For example, Archive was about half the training data for the math-problem-solving LM Minerva. We've exhausted Archive. Both the Minerva paper and the pile use basically all of Archive, and it amounts to a measly 21 billion tokens. Subheading. Books. Books? What exactly are books? In the pile, books means the Books 3 corpus, which means all of bibliotic. It contains 196,640 full-text books, amounting to only 27 billion tokens. In massive text, 
a mysterious subset called books, in quotes, has 560 billion tokens. That's a lot more than Pile has. Are these all the books in the world? In Google Books? Who even knows? In the Glam slash Palm dataset, an equally mysterious subset called Books has 390 billion tokens. Why is the Glam slash Palm number so much smaller than the Massive Text number? Is it a tokenization thing? Both of these datasets were made by Google, so it's not like the Gopher authors have special access to some secret trove of forbidden books. I assume? If we want LMs to learn the kind of stuff you learn from books, and not just from the internet, this is what we have. As with the web, it's hard to know what to make of it, because we don't know whether this is basically all the books in the world, or just some subset that an engineer pulled at one point in time. Subheading, all the data we have. In my spreadsheet linked here, I tried to make a rough, erring on generous estimate of what you'd get if you pulled together all the subcorpora mentioned in the papers I've discussed here. I tried to make it an overestimate, and did some extreme things like adding up both Massive Web and the Glam Palm web corpus as if they were disjoint. The result was 3.2 trillion tokens, or about 1.6 times the size of Massive Text, and about 35% of the data we would need to train the optimal version of Palm, or Palm Opt. Recall that this already contains basically all, in quotes, of the open source code in the world, and basically all, in quotes, of the theoretical physics papers written in the internet era, within an order of magnitude anyway. In these domains, the low-hanging fruit, in quotes, of data scaling are not low-hanging at all. Section heading. What is compute? On a further barrier to data scaling. Here's another important comment from the Palm Papers Chinchilla discussion. This is about barriers to doing a head-to-head comparison experiment. Quote, If the smaller model were trained using fewer TPU chips than the larger model, this would proportionately increase the wall clock time of training, since the total training flop count is the same. If it were trained using the same number of TPU chips, it would be very difficult to maintain TPU compute efficiency without a drastic increase in batch size. The batch size of Palm 540 billion is already 4 million tokens, and it's unclear if even larger batch sizes would maintain sample efficiency. End quote. In LM scaling research, all compute, in quotes, is treated as fungible. There's one resource, and you spend it on parameters and steps, where compute equals parameters times steps. But parameters can be parallelized, while steps cannot. You can take a big model and spread it, and its activations, gradients, atom buffers, etc., across a cluster of machines in various ways. This is how people scale up N in practice. To scale up D, you have to either take more optimization steps, an inherently serial process which takes linearly more time as you add data, no matter how fancy your computers are, or increase the batch size, which tends to degrade model quality beyond a certain critical size, and current high-end models are already pushing against that limit. Thus, it is unclear whether the compute in quotes you spend in high-D models is as readily available and as bound to grow over time as we typically imagine compute to be. If LM researchers start getting serious about scaling up data, no doubt people will think hard about this question. But that work has not yet been done. Section heading. Appendix. To infinity. Earlier, I observed that chinchilla beats any gopher of arbitrary size. The graph below expands on that observation by including two variants of each model. One with the finite model term set to zero, that is, the infinite parameter limit and one with the finite data term set to zero, that is the infinite data limit. There are two x-axes, one for data and one for parameters. 
I included the latter so I have a place to put down the infinite data models without making an infinitely big plot. The dotted line is chinchilla to emphasize that it beats infinite parameters gopher. And this graph shows the infinite data and infinite parameters variants of the different models from the previous graphs. And we do notice that the real-world chinchilla does slightly outperform the version of gopher with infinite parameters. We also notice that while the infinite parameters models on this graph are not outperforming the real-world models that well, or indeed not at all in some cases, the infinite data versions are very much outperforming everything else on the graph. They're achieving very low loss at relatively low parameter counts. The author writes, The main takeaway, in my opinion, is the size of the gap between infinite data models and all of the others. Just another way of emphasising how skewed these models are towards N and away from D. Audio note, you can check out the footnotes in the original post. This was an audio version of Chinchilla's Wild Implications by Nostalgiabrased, published on the 31st of July, 2022. It's included as one of the core readings in the AGI Safety Fundamentals course. This reading was by Perrin Walker and produced by Type 3 Audio.